on 91.3 FM. Welcome to the Blitz on 91.3 FM WVNY Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. My name is Double D, and it is great to feel in the producer chair once again. Man, it's been a long time, because I was out sick last week, you know, when, when I was supposed to produce. So I'm actually joined by my co-host of the Tan and Dan show, Tanner Saunders, Uh but but you know we we are alone this time, Tanner. We are alone. It, it, it's Joe Kelly. He he doesn't have class for once during this. You're off. You don't get to talk until I raise your mic, Joe. You weren't up either, Tanner. I know. I shake my head. <laughs> Me either. Dan's just trying to hoard the whole show for I know. himself. No, it's not the Tan and Dan show. It's just the Dan show. <laughs> uh, no, I did have class, but it's a work day and I already finished the project. So I figured I'd scoot on over to 91.3 FM WVNY and have a good time talking about all this news we got. I know. It's huge news. Uh, if anybody didn't know, if you've been living under a rock for the past, I don't know, 24 hours... The NFL trade deadline has coming on. It is over. No no other teams can make a trade for the rest of the year until we get to March. But, man, was there a lot of stuff. And I, I got to start off with this clip from ESPN with Adam Scheffner, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Shifty Scheffner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Shifty Scheffner, <laughs> take it with a grain of salt, Scheffner. I'm not that smart, Scheffner. I don't know what to call him anymore, but here's the clip from him from NFL Live. Is it two phones okay. going all day? But we have, a, but we, but we have, we, we have another deal. We have another deal. Let's go. Can we uh, see this? Hold on, check it. Hold on, hold on. This is made. I need to be like the, uh, like I'm just like the Jeopardy theme song just playing as you wait for the information here from Adam Scheffner. Laura Rutledge here we go, here and Dan Olavsky serenading us the in the Colts, background. The Colts are trading running back Naheem Hines to the Buffalo Bills. Like the Bills that are 6-1 and 16 they, they just got Naheem Hines. They wow. just got Naheem okay, Hines. Okay, there you have it. The Bills are acquiring running back slash partner turner and excellent pass catcher Naheem Hines from the Indianapolis Colts because you know what? Why not? It's not like the Bills already have Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Dawson Knox and Gabe Davis and really good offensive linemen. I, I mean, come on, like, that was probably one of the biggest last-second trades I think the Bills could have ever made. Yeah, talk about a buzzer beater. I mean, we but we need to look at this. We did lose one of the best running backs in the NFL due to this trade, <laughs> Zach Moss. Actually, fullback. We fullback. Said, we said fullback at the beginning of the season. So, But what a, what a trade it is. I, I'm speechless, actually. I was not expecting that. I was watching One Bills Live all day, waiting for the trade alerts to come through, seeing all these other teams making deals. Chase Claypool goes to the Bears. Like, who saw that coming? I, I didn't. I sure didn't. But then seeing Naheem Hines coming to Buffalo, where we need that running back one or running back two, like to pair with Singletary and have Cook really develop under. And I, I think we got our guy. I mean, Tanner, what do you think? Um, yeah, I like this trade a lot for Buffalo. I mean, Naheem Hines is a speedster. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, I'm trying to find, yeah, he ran like a 4-3, 9 at the Combine, so that's just going to be a nice little, uh, 
nice little burner to add to the backfield. The only thing, if I had any uh, worries about this trade, it's that Zach Moss, in theory, was like our only power back, even though he really didn't do it all that well. But now we really don't have any power backs. Like Singletary's not really power back. Cook isn't. Hines isn't. The only power back, really, that we have is Josh Allen. So that would be my only reservations about this trade. But when you get a guy like Naheem Hines that's dynamic as him with that speed, um, with the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, which is something that I still think the offense has been lacking a little bit. I mean, you'll get some of that every now and again from Singletary. And James Cook, in theory, is supposed to be a really good pass-catching back, but hasn't really materialized into much anything this season. So to get a guy that's been there and done that in Naheem Hines, I think you know, it's all right that we don't have, you know, that kind of quote-unquote power back just because of the, I mean, Naheem Hines adds way more to this offense than Zach Moss ever has. So I think you got to take, you know, there's pros and cons to everything, but I think the good in this case outweighs the bad. Yeah. Can I add one more thing real fast? Sure. <laughs> I think, honestly, that power back, I think we might start seeing Reggie Gilliam used as a little bit to bowl through that line. I mean, that's one thing I've kind of missed from his fullback play this year, this season. Uh, they used him in receiving against in that Titans game pretty well. He blocks really well. I think he's your power through the line, you know, third and one, fourth and one back. I mean, split it with Josh Allen. We know Josh Allen's that guy. He could do that technically. I mean, he's a quarterback. But I think Reggie Gilliam would actually balance out the missing piece of that running back room, which is the power runner. So. And I think it's a really good trade, not only because you get a great running back who's shifty, who has that speed that maybe you could argue that the Bills have been missing from Singletary uh, for the past couple of years, but he also is a big key punt returner. I mean, I get it. Khalil Shakir has been back there doing the punt returns, but to have somebody who may even do kick returns, take McKenzie off kick returns, that can make our wide receiver room a little bit more healthy, a little bit more, um, I would say, probably less tired in the sense. You know, you don't have McKenzie running for 30 yards for a kickoff return or, <laughs> you know, um, Shakir doing all the shifty moving around on the punt return, trying to get as many yards as he can. So I, I really got to admit that this was not a move that I think – many or I wouldn't say a move more like a player that nobody was looking at everybody was looking at Kareem Hunt Cam Akers those type of guys but man Bean just finds these hidden gems I mean remember he tried to get JD McKissick in free agency Uh, I'm glad uh, in hindsight I'm glad that didn't happen because this is a better JD McKissick he's faster he's younger he's a comparable receiver I mean if you want to look at the stats here um Naheem Hines on his career has 235 receptions, 700 or 1,725 yards, seven touchdowns, and McKissick has 220 receptions for 1,674 yards and seven touchdowns. So, you know, he's on the same level of receiver. So this is an even better McKissick, if you ask me. But go ahead, Dan. Sorry to cut you off there. Oh, no problem. Um, but, you know, also they were linked for trading for McCaffrey and Kamara and Hunt and all those guys have in common is that they're pass-catching backs. So I think this finally now puts into proportion that Singletary, this is your year to show us what you can do your power back-wise. I think he's also a little bit of a power back. You know, he's that small, can get in little tight holes that nobody else can. You know, he'll, he'll like, pop up when you think he's down. Um, but I definitely think that this was a key move 
for a Bills offense that just wants to keep ticking. Um, no offense to James Cook, but I don't think that he's where the coach coaches want him yet. I, I know we saw more of him on Sunday against the Packers. And he did have that good catch that, you know, he became open after the linebackers and corners stepped up to get Allen in case if he ran. But um, besides that, I mean, he had a couple of good runs. But besides that catch, I don't really remember the running backs catching much. They haven't really mm-hmm. had, like, a flat guy. No. No, screen passes have been minimal. Like you haven't you haven't seen much of that. I mean, you're you've seen more running, of course. But I I think honestly, this is going to open that up big time. Like you said, and to have a guy like Naeem Hines, young guy like Tanner said, I personally, when I look at this, I see, I see a a solid player we can have for a long time. You know what I mean? Like this is. This is one of the better trades. Brandon Bean worked his magic again, and Bean we trust. So you just gotta give him, give him hats off to them, you know. And he is on contract for the next two years. Mm-hmm. After this year, he has two years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is, I think, huge. He's cheap. You know, at this point in time, you want your running backs to be cheap. Um, so th- this was definitely the way to go and ship out Moss that way. Yeah. And because Moss was doing nothing. No. Mm-hmm. He was active during the Packers game and did get a single touch, single, you know, I, I don't even think he lined up at any point. Well, you see Singletary averaging roughly five to six yards per carry these past couple games, having outstanding games, and you know now it's not an offensive line issue opening up holes. It's a running back issue. And even to see James Cook taking that big step forward and doing well, I think that just shows Zach Moss was not not cooking, you know, for the Bills. I I, I think. Well, I think that was known for a while. Well, known for a while, but this in the preseason, everyone was saying, "Oh, he's actually turning it around." He did a couple good things in the preseason. I was excited even, but in the when the time came, I mean, Cook outplayed him, and Singletary really outplayed him, and I think that was a, I, I that was a low blow for him. But I mean, hope he does well in. In Indianapolis, I, I don't know. You know, you might be getting a, a lot of PT here in the coming weeks because Jonathan Taylor's dealing with an ankle injury, the same one that uh, he was dealing with earlier on in the season. Yeah. So we might be seeing it might be a Zach Moss RB one season out there. In oh Indy. my gosh! Watch him have an outstanding season for the rest of the year. You know what I mean? Like it's like a whole average bunch of ten young yards guys. per carry every game, like just killing it. Uh, I want to address something I saw on Twitter here. I saw a tweet. Um, so the Bills tried they tried signing Chase Edmonds and J.D. McKissick in free agency. You spend a second-round pick in James Cook. And now someone was asking, what does that mean for James Cook? I think down the road this could be – can you imagine running two back sets with Naheem Hines and James Cook both coming out of the backfield? I mean, I think it just adds another another element to the offense, you know, having those two guys and – you know, even though Naheem Hines is still relatively young, you know, he's been there and done that. He's got, you know, around 500 touches in this league. He can be a mentor for uh, James Cook. And eventually I think those two can share the field together because I don't think you're going to bring Devin Singletary as good as he's been, you know, over the years and as good as he was in the Packers game. I just, that's a lot of money to invest in the running back room is, you know, Singletary on a new contract and then, a second round pick and Cook, and then Naheem Hines with his contract. So I don't see Singletary coming back this uh, following this season. But having Cook and Hines in the same backfield that just sounds like a 
Mm, that's a nice combination. Could you think the Bills are kind of doing like a Browns? I know I don't like comparing the Bills to the Browns for multiple reasons, but you have Josh Allen, you have two really good wide receivers in Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis, just like Cleveland did when we thought, you know, Baker was good. They had Odell and Jarvis Landry. Yeah. And then, you know, are they trying to now set up that running back tandem like Cleveland still has in Chubb and Hunt with Hines and Cook? I, I mean, I, I think they are. Do, do you guys have thoughts on that? Hey, like I just said, I'd love to see it. I think, you know, Ken Dorsey coming into this season, the name of the game was being multiple for the offense, like being able to put multiple personnel groupings out there. And I just think that's another another dynamic, uh, that could be another dynamic personnel set for the Bills. If you run two back sets with Naheem Hines and James Cook. Yeah. Or like you're running maybe five wide and have those two guys, you know, lined up out in the pattern, like defend that. Good Good luck, NFL, trying to defend that. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that. Two, you have two slot or uh, two screen passes going two different ways, options pretty much. And then you know what? RPOs, you've got three options, right? You could have, and then you got Allen along with it. Four options technically. Like you could, Ken Dorsey can get a little tricky sometimes with these plays, and it it'd be really cool to see. I mean, to have two receiving backs and James Cook developing into that, right? But Naeem Hines already showing that is really exciting for the future because I think, honestly, looking back on the Bills' history here, we are mediocre at the passing game, but we had a great running game a couple years ago. Shady and Frank Gore. That balance, you know what I mean? The Frank Gore, the Bull. Who was, uh, who was the one running back we had? Started with a B or something? Booby Dixon? No, 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 no. Like, recently. He was a power runner. Um, um, you know who I'm talking about? 30-something. Oh, boy. We're going down the rabbit hole yeah, here. I'm, trying to I'm think. really trying um, to think now. Oh, gosh. It's I got to look. I got to look. Bill's roster 2018, I want to say. Not. Yeah, the first one that's coming to my mind is Booby Dixon. Yeah, exactly, right? And, and I'm then, thinking, hang on. I mean, if you want to talk about power backs, he wasn't necessarily like a running back per se, but remember Mike Tolbert? Yeah. That's who it was, oh. Mike Tolbert. I don't know what? why I thought it started with a B. I think Burt. Like, you, you I think I called him Burt back in the day. Burt Tolbert. But, but uh, he was that power runner. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, he that was, was a big, he, yeah. was a, he was a tub, man. That he and LaShawn was... McCoy, like, in Singletary, like, that was what a running back room we had. And even in 2018, the year Josh Allen got drafted, we had McCoy, Chris Ivory, and Taiwan Jones. Like, mm. you know, we had, we had good running back rooms, and – now that's been the struggle, I feel like, these past couple of years since we've had a fantastic pass offense. I feel like we've been struggling a little bit there. But we're looking into the future now with Hines and Cook, so I, I think we're set pretty yes, well. Sir. I also think, uh, give credit to Bean. He realized oh, Moss yeah. wasn't working anymore. He said, well, we invested this draft pick in this guy. Uh, he's horrible. Bye-bye. We're going to ship you off just like we did with Zay Jones. Um we we don't want you no more. So you know, I gotta say, with Brandon Bean, just give him credit for getting anything out of Zach Moss in a league where running backs are a dime a dozen. To get a guy that's been major to get anything for a guy that's been majority unproductive during his career. I mean, we could have gotten a bag of footballs, kind of like how 
uh, Dan wants the Sabers to get a bag of pucks for Casey Middlestat. We could have gotten we could have gotten a bag of footballs for Zach Moss. I would have been happy, but let alone to get freaking Naheem Hines. Like, are you kidding me? That's a a master class right there by Brandon Bean as usual. But we've been spoiled over the years. That's just the type of stuff we've come to expect from Bean. I mean, you can give this guy like a piece of string and some chewed bubble gum, and he'll turn it into the Hubble Space Telescope. Like this guy, Brandon Bean is just great at what he does. The second trade the Bills made was that safety Dean Marlowe is back in town from the Atlanta Falcons. They traded a seventh rounder for him, which was originally the seventh rounder we were going to give the Carolina Panthers for Andre Smith. But due to his release from the Bills, we got it back. So... Uh, we used that pick to acquire Dean Marlowe, and I think the safety room just gets a little bit better. Um, I, I think this was a, I, I would say, safe move um, because, you know, Hyde's out for the rest of the season. Yeah. DeMar's been doing okay, but he's had his mistakes here and there. Same with Jaquan Johnson, with Poyer now getting on and off injured, uh, injury bugged. I, I think this works perfectly. You know, he's only been out of here for two years. You know, just like Jordan Phillips, he was out for two years and he's back. So I I really think that he's going to actually take over. He'll do pretty well. I, I think he's actually going to now split time with Hamlin. I don't think Hamlin's going to get as much a, a, as many defensive snaps No, as we think. I just hate to see Jordan Poyer get injured again, especially this big year for him contract-wise. You know what I mean? Like, it's tough, but I mean... It's well, I mean, it helps a little bit. I, I mean, I, I don't ever want to see a player get hurt, but in the sense of a contract year... You and know, every game he has played in, he's played spectacular. Right, but so. you can argue that he's been injury-bugged and, you know, you don't want to pay too much for an injury-bugged player. Right. So there there is that kind of... You know, that helps being in the sense of the salary cap. Yeah. Also, speaking of Poyer real fast here, we do need to make a quick sidebar. A frequent flyer conversation topic on the show is Rachel Bush. <laughs> yeah. And it was her birthday That's yesterday. Right. Yep. So happy birthday, Rachel Bush. You, 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 you get us with the Twitter Warriors stuff, anything, all, all the stuff under the sun we, we talk about. So Yeah, yesterday was not a good day. There were some things that overshadowed that, but it was her birthday. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... So happy birthday, Rachel Bush. If you ever want to like stop by the studio and, and you and Joe talk your feelings out, we'll be glad to have you. But Yeah, we can we can start. That'd a be an new interesting show. show. <laughs> Rachel yeah. and Joe. Yeah, yeah, that'd be an interesting show. But what were we yeah, on about? Dean, Dean, Dean Marlowe and the safeties. Um, you know yeah. what? That's I mean, you gave up a seventh round pick for the guy. I mean, it's good to bring in a guy that's been in this system. He's familiar with it. You know, he's been around the league, been in it for a long time, just Maybe not a high-quality player, but at least, you know, just a veteran, like I said, that's been familiar uh, with the system. I mean, the last time that I saw Dean Marlowe on the football field was when he got torched by DJ Moore on that throw of the year from P.J. Walker, but... I just just to have the brain. I guess we're trading more for the brain and the veteran than the the quality of player with this one. Yeah, I guess you can argue that. I guess <laughs> yeah, and just can... knowing the system and everything. Yeah, yeah, already been around Leslie Frazier and the team. So, and if there's anybody that knows how to to get anything out of defensive backs that nobody else can, it's Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier. I mean, uh, they've been trotting out a ragtag secondary here for weeks now, and the Bills still have one of the best defenses in the NFL. So they'll they'll make it work. I trust them. 
Well, the last key move that the Bills made that wasn't a trade was that they activated quarterback Tredavious White off IR. And that is huge because they did it before today, which means that he does have a chance to play Sunday. He can play Sunday, um, which I think is great. Go against the Jets team that really doesn't have a number one wide receiver, arguably. And last time you faced the Jets, they barely did anything uh what was it they only allowed the one 40 yard touchdown and then the rest of the plays like the other 45 or how many so plays that they ran uh equal to like 37 yards that's crazy that's still crazy to think about that that they only allowed one big play but Trey White coming back to this cornerback group is huge it's huge I, I I don't think we can under I don't know. I don't think we can put it under the carpet and say, oh, yeah, he's just a little secret. He doesn't mean anything. Um, no, he, th- this is huge. I mean, no offense to our corners, Dane and Kyrie and Benford. I mean, you guys have been doing great, but, man, there's nobody like Trey White. There's nobody like no. Trey White. There, there, there's nobody with more energy. There's nobody with more, you know, sincereness, and he doesn't go after other players you know he plays his game and he shows you what's up on the field he doesn't try to talk trash you know that that's not his way to do it and to get that kind of locker room guy back and I get he he may not look the same he he has a very good chance not to uh after the ACL last year but to have him for an easy part of the schedule in this back half and to get him warmed up for the playoffs, I I just think it's perfect. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on Trey White and him coming back to the Bills? I am. I I mean, looking at the season as a whole, we've played pretty well with rookies at his position. I think that just shows how dangerous this team is because now you've got an all-pro coming back in, all-pro cornerback. Like, come on. You're not going to be able to do anything against this team. And the, Ed Oliver, the game he had, everything, it's just with him coming back, it's that – that cherry on top of the sundae you know what i mean it's just nice little caramel drizzle with the cherry on top and it's perfect perfect maybe some peanuts on there too but mm-hmm. i agree with that i mean <laughs> <laughs> make me hungry hungry with a sunday like i said the bills have been able to maintain one of the best defenses in the nfl this year you know trotting out a secondary of late round picks undrafted free agents rookies and to add an all pro there you know that makes up a little bit for the loss of uh of Micah Hyde, you know, bringing a guy like Trey back and hopefully just, you know, he's able to regain form and by the time the postseason rolls around, he'll have, you know, plenty of uh, snaps under his belt by that point and, and we're in good shape. You just you just hope that uh, the injury luck is in our favor and nothing, you know, keep your fingers crossed, nothing gets re-aggravated and he's able to pick up right where he left off. But it's uh, it's it's good to have him back, to say the least. Now, do you think anybody's going to fight with Dane for the second quarterback spot? I mean, have Elam and Benford shown that they could be a second corner to Trey White? Or do you think Dane has pretty much cemented it that he will be there until his contract is up? I think Dane will be there until his contract is up. He's played pretty locked down, especially even last season, going back to that, when Trey first came out of the game. We it wasn't like we were missing very much. You know what I mean? He he stepped up and played the game he needed to. Wasn't like it was an all-star back there, but he made his presence known. People, he was stopping targets, everything. Like it was, it was 
great play on his end. And when I look at it, honestly, what I think they're going to do, Dan and Tanner, they they rotate the front four out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. What if they start doing that with the cornerbacks to save them a little bit instead of leaving them out there for so long? Because yeah. you've got four, be you've got four competent cornerbacks now. One's an All-Pro. Dane Jackson stepped up, and you've got two great rookies who stepped up this season and played very well. I would think they might rotate them to save them a little bit. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna that... start doing the Sabers defensive line, pretty much on, the, yeah. on yeah. the Bills. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, defensive lines. You're gonna rotate them in and out. That's what I personally think they're gonna do. Mm-hmm. That's a Leslie Frazier style defense right there, rotating McDermott too. They want everyone to get off the field, recuperate, and go out there for the big plays. And I think that'd be the best way to do it. And, you know, it could uh, could be a matchup thing. Like, if you got kind of a bigger, faster receiver, like, maybe not now, but someone like a Julio Jones, like that type of player. If you got someone like that, stick Kyrie Elam on him because he's big and fast, you know. If you got, uh, you know, maybe like a 5'11", more technical route runner type of guy, then you stick Dane Jackson on him. So, you know, it could come down to matchups maybe in-game if a guy, you know, gets a holding penalty, a pass interference, illegal contact, some of that nature, just getting burned, not having a good game, then you take one of the guys off the bench and put him in. So, you know, there's a, a number of options when it comes to the cornerback room, and I think you just, you know, got to play it week to week, and whoever you think gives you the best chance, you know, matchup-wise or just performance-wise, then that's uh, that's what you got to do. But it's a good problem to have, you know, having so many corners that are capable and have shown they can play at a high level. It's a good problem, and uh, I uh, I think that would not be a bad idea if they kind of go with the whole rotation route. All right, so we're going to take a quick break on the Blitz, and then right as we come back, we'll go over the rest of the trades from the trade deadline yesterday. Then we'll get into some Sabres, and then we'll get into some MLB World Series talk just because we have some thoughts about it. Why not? Um, And then, Tanner, if you want to go on a rant about NBA, I know some stuff has happened there yesterday. So in case if you want to go over that, you know, you can. But keep listening to 91.3 FM for on the blit. Whoa, I messed up there. Sorry. Wow, that's a flub that's going in the quote book. Um, keep listening to the Blitz on 91.3 FM, and we'll keep talking more sports right as we come back. This one's big, Ian. Bradley Chubb is on the move. Yeah, the Broncos were holding out for a first-round pick and more to deal Bradley Chubb, and that is exactly what they got from the Miami Dolphins, who decided they don't really need any picks. All they want is really, really good players. They got a ton of really good players. On offense, just added a huge one on defense with Bradley Chubb, the former first-rounder, going for a first-rounder. If you say, well, the Dolphins don't have a first-rounder, they actually do. They have San Francisco's first-rounder. That is among the big-time picks that is going over in the deal. Chubb also expected to work out a long-term extension with his new teams that with his new team that likely will eclipse $20 million per year. Uh, that those talks are actually ongoing right now. We'll see when they get it done, but a massive, massive move for the Miami Dolphins. Welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM. And that was our division rivals getting a halfway decent defensive end in Bradley Chubb at the trade deadline trading away their first-round pick that they got from San Francisco and Chase Edmonds, who Tanner just has a great relationship with, um, and also a couple other picks. But is that a huge move that makes them now 
the most threatening team to the Bills? Do, does that make them one of the the most threatening team to the Bills? Hmm. Thoughts? Bring your mic over. Yes, I'm bringing my Talk. mic over. You're on. Who is who's the team you said? Sorry. Uh, Miami. I I just sorry. I was actually looking in this trash talking AFC East chat I'm in and, on Facebook, and let me tell you these on Dolphins. Facebook, fans, yeah, Facebook. You got to break into the market a little bit, Dan. You know, but uh, I'll actually read it to you. With with the bleeps, yeah, with the flubs, yeah, with the flubs. Uh, no, it, he, I can't find no, it now. Of course, no, but of course. he was just like. The Bills thinking that this is a good trade after making fun of every Miami trade. Wait till our defense gets to you now. I said, okay, bring it. Bring your defense. You did last time in 105-degree weather, and the Bills were cramping up. Come play here week f- week 15 with your thin-blood Florida live- lifestyle where you're not going to be acclimated, and you deal with it too because I am not worried about it at whatsoever. I, I They think this one guy is going to change their entire defense. They had to blitz to even get pressure on us. And they're still going to have to do that. The Bills don't need the blitz to get pressure. Literal four-man rush just from zone defense. Like, we literally play nickel. Nickel coverage the entire game. And we still... Von Miller's got six sacks on the season. Like, how? how? Like, th- that one piece of their defense is not going to change it. And all these Miami fans are so incredibly toxic that I can't even look at it for too long. Otherwise, I get enraged and then I become toxic as well. Just infects me through through my eyes, you know. It's just so aggravating. Uh, I gotta stop. I gotta stop. I'm already getting the rage, I'm getting heated. The rage is building. Terror thoughts. Um, well, it definitely uh, makes them better. I mean, Bradley Chubb this season, he's got five and a half sacks, and the Dolphins are in the bottom quarter of the NFL in terms of total sacks. They only have 15 on the season, which is 24th in the league. So, you know, it's a big boost to their defensive front. I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make. Sure, they'll be able to get more pressure on the quarterback, but is it going to be able to to equate to anything? I mean, hey, we saw what happened in it was week three, right, when we played them. I yep. mean, you know, Despite having all this talent that the Dolphins have, you know, it took us being down our starting center, we lose our backup center, we lose our right tackle, you know, our, our cornerbacks. Yep, our cornerbacks are, you know, we're playing rookies and late round picks, and then we lose one of those guys, so we're bring, we bring in an undrafted free agent. We don't have our starting safeties, and still it came down to the final play, and we've lost, what was it, a point? 24-23, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Because McKenzie didn't run out of bounds. Yep, and I mean, the Dolphins are, they're, they're not close to us, I don't think. Like, they, they haven't done anything, and they didn't, they darn sure didn't do anything in that game to make you think that the Bills should be intimidated by him. So, you know, we'll have to see. We have a pretty good offensive line. Obviously, Spencer Brown, uh, uh, Deion Dawkins, the bookend at tackle. So it's not going to make life easy for Chubb, obviously. But Yeah, I I really don't think it means anything. If you're a Miami fan and you want to call in and give us your thoughts on the Bradley Chubb trade, uh, call us at 716-878-5104. 716-878-5104. I, I don't think it means anything. I, I really don't. I, I got to think it's just they're trying to load up for the Bills, and that's it. 
there, there's not really much else to it. No, they they just want to beat us again, and they know they're not going to. So there, it was a desperation trade for a poverty franchise. That's all I have to say. Now, Chase Edmonds going to the Broncos, I think, is at least a little bit noticeable because they'll have Javante Williams uh, next year after he comes off IR from the ACL. They still have Melvin Gordon. They now have Chase Edmonds. Mike Boone has looked good when he's healthy. I mean, they have Latavius Murray. How many running backs do you need in one system? How many? How many? I, I mean, <laughs> how how incapable are you of running an offense, Nathaniel Hackett, that you need five separate good running backs to just make your offense worthwhile? I don't understand you anymore. I don't. I, you're right now in your in my mind, you are a one year coach. I wouldn't be shocked if you get fired after one year for not using Russell Wilson. It's spicy boy, uh, for you know not utilizing him to his fullest potential, which is odd to say because Seattle did a good job of it. Um, another trade that the Dolphins made is that they acquired Jeff Wilson from the 49ers, wow. which yes. puts Moser and Wilson back on the same team. Uh, I actually think this is actually going to hurt. This trade deadline was freaking horrendous for me because Chase Edmonds goes to an even more crowded backfield in Denver, and then Jeff Wilson goes to Miami, and I'm scared what they're going to do to him after what they did to Edmonds. I mean, he completely fell out of favor, you know, by the time, you know, the last couple weeks. So, boy, my running back game in fantasy is just non-freaking-existent. Hey, actually might be better, though. There, There is chances that it may be better with uh... – Wilson, you know, if Wilson would have stayed in San Francisco, he would have been the third running back and never got any touches. Yeah, that's fair. So I so suppose. at least he got like a second running back. And who knows, maybe Chase Edmonds will now be a, a good pass catching back uh, in Denver. Yeah. I, I, I mean, who knows, maybe it's just new systems work better for other players. Can now, I can I toss something in real fast? Yeah, sure. Uh, Josh Allen, fourteen minutes ago in a press conference about Naeem Hines. This is from Matthew Bovey. I don't know if I said that correct on Twitter. He said Josh Allen said today he looked at Stefan Diggs and said, "Holy crap, he Naeem Hines is fast." <laughs> so <laughs> yep. I think he yeah, he's fast. Got to go fast. So I uh, I think I think Josh Allen's a little pleasantly surprised at what he's been doing. So on day one, so. Right. <laughs> I I mean, I bet you he's going to play against the Jets. Why not? Oh, try him out. Why? Yeah. yeah like, why not? He's uh, he's in game shape. You know what I mean? He's played this season. So, I mean, I'm excited. I really I'm, I I I want to see what they do with him, but Now, in one of the most I think unlikely moves that happened is that the Detroit Lions decided to trade TJ Hawkinson to the Minnesota Vikings. And honestly, get nothing from it. They got a second and a third. Um, they trade away Hawkinson and two fourths. I I I think I, I think Detroit might have just got a little swindled here. But I I was talking to my dad and I was like, you know what? Detroit's not going to be good until their owner changes. No, their owner is just not willing to pay a good player there that is the straight facts now you you're here for your rookie deal and then we ship you off because we don't want to pay you so i i gotta think that 
this move with TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings is great for the Vikings. I mean, Irv Smith Jr. is now out 8 to 10 weeks. He's been put on IR. And you're in this high-scoring offense in Minnesota with Kevin O'Connell. And Kirk could always, he always likes his tight ends. I don't know what's with him is tight ends, but they usually do pretty well. I mean, Kyle Rudolph had good years. Irv Smith has done well when he's healthy. So I, I think this was a really good move for a Viking team that is now looking to close up the NFC North and, you know, look towards the playoffs. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, that was kind of a... That was an odd one. It's the rare interdivisional trade, but hey, if that's the best offer on the table, then that's the best offer on the table. I mean, you know, the Vikings offense already has a ton of playmakers with Dalvin Cook in the run game. Even Alexander Madison is a good handcuff. Um, Justin Jefferson, Thielen, the best slot receiver in the NFL, K.J. Osborne. So, man, that's just adding another weapon. And, you know, they're trying to, you know, put their, their foot on Green Bay's neck, which is understandable. So, you know, you go out, you make a big-time, you know, win-now maneuver. Irv Smith, their usual starting tight end, is going to be out for the next 8 to 10 weeks. Uh, with a high ankle sprain, so what better to do than get go out and get a very good replacement in T.J. Hawkinson? So, I mean, I that's it's weird. Just the whole interdivision trade thing kind of weirded me out. But like I said, if that's the best offer, then that's the one you take. And if it's from a division rival, then so be it. But I'm sure Minnesota's not going to complain. No, definitely not. I like you said, Tanner. The inter interdivisional vibe was a little sketchy you know we don't see the bills trading to the dolphins or the jets trading to the pats any any of that but the vikings i mean they they're sitting at what six and one right now five and one what are they uh they are six and one six and one only lost to the undefeated philadelphia eagles right and that's a whole nother topic we'll get into (laughs) but um i i think that the vikings are kind of going for the nfc at this point i mean I, if the Eagles fall off, I mean the Vikings are right there, you know. So it, it's got to be the, to them. They're they're happy about it, and I think they're going to try and take it a run. I I honestly though these NFC teams, which I'll get into more later with the the Eagles, I don't I don't like. I'm I'm, I'm going to stop because I'm going to I'm going to go off. Are, on are a, you I'm getting gonna, rage? I'm going to go off on a, I'm going to go off on oh, a tangent, geez. and I'll save it for when we talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. So, but definitely the Vikings, good move for them, and understandable now the last interdivisional trade that the lions made was in 1998 when they traded away running back gwen or gwen uh milborn milburn sorry i i am butchering his name but you know he's not very important uh nfl history uh to the green bay packers for a draft pick. That is all I'm giving from the article. That was just a draft pick. Yeah. Uh, good, good, good job, Yahoo Sports. Uh, good job. You guys did a great job covering it. No, no, you didn't. I would have liked to know the pick. But uh, let's let's continue on the trade talk. The Steelers traded away wide receiver Chase Claypool mm-hmm. to the Bears. Uh, that is huge, I yes. think. That that is probably one of the most important trades for the Bears going forward. Claypool can be that number one if you really want him to be. Um, you know, he hasn't been utilized as a number one. But that also opens receiving opportunities for Darnell Mooney. I mean, Mooney c- kind of gets off that number one receiver trend. Um, 
you know, now he can be moved down to two and burn the second corner perfectly fine. I, I think this is a great move by the Bears. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I I mean, the Bears have seen their quarterback, Justin Fields, doing some decent things, you know, in these past couple of weeks, played uh, competitively. They uh, they beat the Patriots pretty well, and that was supposed to be a pretty in-hand game for the New England Patriots. So I think this adds a weapon to their offense, Chase Claypool. I mean, he's been a solid receiver for Pittsburgh for a few years. I mean, a little subpar at some points, I would say, but solid. I mean, he'll make catches when you want him to. I mean, look at the game this past year uh, when he, Trubisky came in against uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks. He was catching them all over the field from Trubisky. I mean, it's it, he's a very talented wide receiver, and I think this makes the Bears a little stronger on their offense, which they definitely needed. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chase Claypool, he's only 24 years old, and he has over 2,000 yards and 12 touchdowns in just about two and a half seasons. He has more receiving touchdowns than any active Bears receiver on the roster right now. And you're talking about a guy, he's 6'4", he's 240 pounds, he runs you know, right around a 4'4", You know, He's got over a 40-inch vertical leap. I mean, he's big, tall, fast, explosive. I mean, he just has a lot of things that the Bears offense just doesn't have right now. And I think, you know, Tony Romo made a good point in the Bills versus Steelers game kind of at the end that he's not always the most quarterback friendly, but, I mean, he's got a lot of tools to be successful. And he's been successful. He just, with the emergence of George Pickens, for, you know, one reason or another, he just got phased out of that Steelers offense. So now he's probably going to be, you know, the undisputed uh I mean, obviously Darnell Mooney's a good player, but Chase Claypool is probably going to be the number one disputed X wide receiver in that Bears offense. And Justin Fields, you know, I kind of ragged on him early in the season, but his stock is trending upward these past couple weeks. So maybe this just unlocks another element of Justin Fields' game, you know, having that big body number one receiver that, you know, he can just throw it, throw it to in tight situations and hope that he can make a play on it. Yeah, um... Then one of the most surprising trades was that the Falcons decided to send wide receiver Calvin Ridley, who's sitting on his bench at home, probably still betting on some games, uh, (laughs) to the Jacksonville Jaguars, the team that he actually bet on to get in trouble. (laughs) I, I mean, how ironic is that? But how good is that for the Jaguars in the long run? That's that's huge for them. I mean, they're trying to get. They're trying to get Trevor Lawrence his Stefan Diggs, and Calvin Ridley might be that guy. I'm not trying to compare Calvin Ridley to Stefan Diggs, but Calvin Ridley is a really good player. I mean, he's had some very solid years for Atlanta. If I can pull it up real quick, let's see. Yeah, he's, you know, been around, you know, 800 yards, eight touchdowns. He exploded in 2020. He had 90 receptions for 1,374 yards and uh, nine touchdowns. And you got to think he's, you know, going to be coming into next season fresh, you know, because he only played only played five games in 2021. And obviously he's serving the suspension this year. So I like it for them. And, you know, depending on, you know, how many games he plays and if he signs an extension, then the compensation that the Falcons got might change. But that's 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 big time for them. They're trying to get Trevor Lawrence, his Stefan Diggs, even though they're already paying a guy like Stefan Diggs <laughs> and Christian Kirk. But Calvin Ridley has shown that he can be a true number one wide receiver in this league. And uh, 
you know, next year is going to be a big test for Trevor Lawrence to see if he's really the guy. You know, we can give him a pass in year two because it's his sophomore season. You know, I mean, Josh Allen, not to compare Trevor Lawrence to Josh Allen, but it took Josh until year three to, you know, blossom into that perennial MVP candidate that we now know today. So, you know, year three is going to be the big litmus test for Trevor Lawrence. He's going to have all these weapons, you know, it remains to be seen what they're going to do in the draft and free agency. But this is a, a big step in Trevor Lawrence's development is getting him that go-to number one receiver. Yeah. I mean, all the, all Calvin really has got to do is quit his side job, uh, the gambling. And then I think, I think he'll be, very good down there. I mean, Trevor Lawrence has shown those flashes of greatness this year. I mean, playing those some games, he's been very played very well. And I think honestly, adding another great wide receiver along with Christian Kirk is just going to make that offense a little, you know, it's more two dimensional because you know you cover Christian Kirk and then who's he got to throw to? Meh, no, not really. You know what I mean? Ingram, the tight end. I mean, that's really it when mm-hmm. you're looking at it. But um, having two big guys like that, two very talented wide receivers, is going to definitely help that team in the future, especially with Doug Peterson as the coach. A lot of respect for him. He had a, he coached a great Eagles team to a Super Bowl win over the uh, New England Patriots, and you know he turned that Urban Meyer shipwreck around pretty pretty good. So I, I, I I'm I'm I like that that trade very much. Yeah, I, I think Calvin Ridley has now turned his attention away from becoming a DraftKings spokesperson to Jacksonville for a new house uh, because, man, I feel like this is a great trade for Jacksonville. I mean, they they put their money where their mouth is. Remember, they had the most money in uh, the offseason this year, and they're using it wisely. I mean, Christian Kirk has been proving people wrong. Say Jones has been leading their team in uh, targets and receptions. I I mean, the team is coming together slowly, and to add Calvin Ridley next year um, is definitely going to help. I mean, you're still going to have NTN there. You're still going to have Kirk Jones. You're good, or at least halfway decent offensive line. Defense is still good. Um, But... Yeah, I, I feel like this is a great trade. Some other trades that happened that aren't really as n- notable is that the Jets traded defensive lineman Jacob Martin to the Broncos. The Chiefs traded away cornerback Rashad Fennin to the Falcons. And then the Commanders traded away cornerback William Jackson III to the Steelers. Hmm. Now, what are some of your biggest losers from the trade deadline day. I, I want to go first on this. And I really got to think it's Green Bay. I, I mean, how can you not say that Green Bay is a loser? Aaron needs that number one wide receiver. Rather you get him a DJ Moore or a, even if you trade for like the injured Marquise Brown, if you could do that. I mean, I, I would rather try to get Rogers somebody at this point because Lazard's dealing with, on and off injuries, Dobbs isn't as good as I think people thought he was when he first came out. Um, Watson, for sure, is not there. No. Um, Randall Cobb's on IR. And, and then you have no names. That I, Amari Rogers, really? You're going to have Rogers pass to a guy who's supposed to be catching kick and punt returns? I don't know about that. But I, I think that was the biggest loser uh, from the trade deadline, Joe, what what is your who is your biggest loser from the trade deadline? I, I would honestly have to say the New England Patriots. 
what are they doing? Like, is Belichick, like, what are they thinking? Like, they didn't do anything. Nothing. And that team needs something. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what, they didn't even draft very well. Like, what is happening? Is Belichick bombing the team? I don't know. I have no idea. But you think you trade for another good wide receiver or something because that's what you're missing. You got Devontae Parker. Oh, big whoop. You know what I mean? Like, you got nothing. And you've got two good running backs, but come on. You, you got to trade for a wide receiver. You got to do something. Like, and do I want the Patriots to win? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But just seeing them do absolutely nothing is like, come on, Belichick. Like, what are you doing? Tanner? Since we've all picked different ones here, I'm going to say Cam Akers because he's still on the uh, the Rams roster. <laughs> and apparently I just saw a report that they received multiple trade offers for him but didn't elect to pull the trigger on any out of on any of them, so that's unfortunate for him. I mean, he's still going to you know, collect a little bit of a paycheck, but he is uh, probably not going to play another snap for the Rams also, so unless they can you know, come to some sort of impasse, then he's either just going to be a healthy scratch every week, or hopefully for his sake they just cut him outright so he can go pursue another opportunity elsewhere, but that's unfortunate for Cam Akers if things uh, keep playing out the way they have been for the past couple weeks. Now, I do want to read this one tweet that I found from a Miami fan called the King of Finland. Um, And he starts out the tweet saying Finland is in like the country, the actual King of Finland. Holy Finland. I know. I was just being 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 facetious. I was, I was being a smart Alec. Fine Tanner. Um, But according to Twitter Miami, we will be adding, and this was still when the trade deadline was going on, Kareem Hunt, Bradley Chubb, Brian Burns, Josh Allen Jacksonville, Josh Allen Buffalo, 2011 Darrell Rivas, 1994 Barry Sanders, and they are rumored to be resurrecting Reggie White to come play. (laughs) It's like resurrecting Kyle Orton to come play. I, I know. It's <laughs> like, just just bring everybody. Miami wants everybody just to beat the Bills. That's one of the funniest things I, I thought from trade deadline. But before we wrap up the NFL Bills talk and go and switch gears to NHL and MLB and all other things in sports, the Bills PR Twitter tweeted out the Bills injury report for today. Uh, Spencer Brown was limited with his ankle injury. Tremaine Edmonds was limited with a heel injury. Daquan Jones was limited on vet rest. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Cough. Sound like you need some vet rest. Yeah. After that. <laughs> <laughs> he had it last week. Come on. we got to have him practicing. Jeez. Uh, running back Taiwan Jones uh, did not practice with a knee. Cam Lewis was full with a forearm. Matt Milano did not practice with an oblique or oblique. 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 Yeah, that's how you say that word. Uh, Linebacker Von Miller did not practice due to vet rest. Mitch Morse was limited due to an elbow. Safety Jordan Poyer did not practice with an elbow. Uh, Guard Roger Saffold did not practice with vet rest. Ian Rappaport has come out about the Jordan Poyer injury, saying that he is considered weak to weak, which is probably one of the worst things to hear for the Bills' yeah. safety duo, which has now become 
plug someone in there and make sure they do at least have now become an injury reserve duo. Yeah. <laughs> More than anything. Uh, Naeem Hines is talking to the media right now. We will tell you anything that comes up it, after the break. If he says anything, that's huge. Because, you know, big trade acquisition, why not? But we're going to go to break uh, and switch gears to Sabres talk uh, about their win against a, a commanding win against the Detroit Red Wings. And then their first retro reverse jersey game night against the Sabre killer Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, and then we'll get into MLB World Series uh, with the Phillies going against the Astros. Um, and stick around for that when we come back from break. This is 91.3 FM. The Blitz, 91.3 FM, WBNY, Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative since 1982. Brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. Keep listening for more Blitz. He kept it. Yeah, probably sold it. Thompson with a shot from well out. Hunting for a second hat trick. Back it all. What a move. Are you kidding me? TNT and the hats rain down at Keybank Center. Creating it now for himself. There's the initial shot. And Skinner with a beautiful backhand to him. Look at this play. Forehand to backhand to forehand. Coming right down the gut of the ice. Boom, right there. That defense goes for a little ride. Lindstrom, he has no idea. Goaltender down and out. Third. Welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM. And that was Tage Thompson scoring his third goal of the night against the Detroit Red Wings on Halloween. And he had a scary good game. Fishing in the dark. The blue grass grows. Oh, jeez. Such a good goal song. It's so funny. Everyone's clapping to it. Sorry, Dad. I just had to to sing for a little bit. You you did? You had to sing? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah? (laughs) Okay. Well... First, I want to go over this game because of how great it was to actually see Buffalo dominate a team that is very high regarded in the Detroit Red Wings. You know, Detroit actually having a good team for once in their entire city history. Um, what, What did you guys think of that game? Well, actually being there and sitting right above that, was the most fantastic thing. I, it's probably the best hockey game I've ever been to in my life in person. I will say that. Not the best one I've watched, because there have been better. But we were sitting next to Red Wings fans, and the beginning of the third period, they got up and left. It was 5-3. 8-3 by the end of the game. Everyone decided to tag in. Skinner, Asplund, Thompson, Quinn. Who else? Was there anyone else? Darlene. Yeah, Darlene got one. Oh my gosh, making history still. Like, what? What is happening right now? I was driving home from the game. I'm like, all right, we're we're a playoff team. I mean, I, I know it's early to say, but I I think I think a fringe playoff team is what we are. Like, we actually have a shot. Yeah, basically that third period went Darlene, Cousins, Tage, Asplund. 
And in the second period, it was Quinn, Skinner, and Tage getting his second goal of that night at that point. And then Tage got the only score in the first period. But Oh, boy, what a shot man. that was. It always Those one-timers just get me, man. And nobody's got a better one than Tage Thompson when he just winds up and just boom. Oh, my gosh, it's so satisfying. I mean, that thing on the broadcast, what, that said that was like 94 miles an hour? Like, oh, my God, Tage's, Tage's one-timers are just dirty, man, simply put. I mean, you... If you've listened to the show in any capacity before, you know how much I love Tage Thompson. So uh, this last game was a joy for me to uh, follow with his three goals, three assists, six points. I mean, in the past two games, he now has nine points, which is triple what he had in the first seven games combined. So uh, the year 25 is is uh, treating Tage pretty well. He turned uh, he turned 25 on October the. 30th and on the 29th you know he had a three-point game two goals against Chicago and then obviously the explosion against uh, Detroit so hey the year 25 is off to a great start for Tage Thompson and the Sabres are back to being a wagon you know they had their uh, their rough patch there after the Canadian stretch where they got handled by the Kraken and who else they oh the Canadians but hey we're right back on schedule yeah buddy I mean those two games though the Canadians, we they're a good team, and we hung on like it wasn't like it was a blowout. They're not a good team. They're better than we are at this point. They're they're no. they're more built. They, they're more worse. built up than we are they've at this point. Worse. They don't have Carey Price. I will say we have better coaching and better GM at this. Of point. Of course, so. you'll say that. But that's other right. than that, why would you not say that? Because that's your stance on it. Hold on, you ready for this? You ready for this? So you guys know how much I love my like niche stats where they're cool to hear about how much do they really matter. Here's one for you. Tage Thompson joined two Hall of Famers, Bobby Clark and Wayne Gretzky, as the only players to record six points on Halloween. Wow. Holy cow. Look at that. It was sp- spooky atmosphere in Key Bank on Halloween. It was something else. But that's interesting, Tanner. That's a good stat. Joe, did you dress up while you were at KeyBank? I actually you? wore a whole Buzz Lightyear outfit, yeah. Was it and the you weren't you shown on, on TV? No, no, it wasn't the fit I posted on Instagram. The average Joe's? No, no, that, oh, was, that was pretty iconic, though. I mean... Somebody else was there, I think, wearing that, though. Where? The average Joe's. At the, at the Sabres game. It was either at the Sabres game or the Bills game. It was probably at the Bills game, because I didn't because see Because I saw somebody wearing... The average Joe's shirt. Somewhere. I didn't actually dress up. I wore my Skinner jersey, and all I wanted to hear was some Whitney Houston. And guess what? I did. I did. On you his didn't wall. want to hear Taylor Swift or Miley Cyrus. Cyrus, sorry. I mean, of course. Sorry, I made that mistake again. Oh no, I'm gonna get canceled for not knowing my artist. Of oh, course, no. I did. But I mean, you you didn't sit next to Evan Harrington while you know Skinner scored, and he's just singing "Party in the USA." Was Evan singing Party in the USA? I bet he was. I mean, why wouldn't <laughs> <Probably>. he? <laughs> he loves that song, man. He he loves Skinner's song. Yeah, I mean, it's not his song anymore, though. I think Tage Thompson's is my favorite. You and me go fishing in the dark. I think mm-hmm. that's that's just the funniest one and the best one. Every time he scores, just this country oh. country bumpkin music comes on. It's awesome. I mean, we haven't heard Labushkin's score yeah, yet. Yeah, exactly. He's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I know. I want to hear that one next. Is there anyone that... Disappointing you guys because there's someone that was very disappointing to me that I just I mean but you first if you if you have someone for what in for- that game just in general this season I know it's going to be Donnie Meatballs and Kevin Adams from this guy oh wait in general on the season well, he's definitely going to say middle stat then 
Well, yeah, on the season. No, no like last game then. We'll narrow oh, it down. Oh, last game? Mm-hmm. I don't... Middlestad had an okay game. He had a couple assists. <sighs> Almost had a goal, too. Hit the hit the crossbar. Would it... Are you going for, like, Owen Power? He had, I mean, he had I another don't... puck bounce mm. off his... his, uh, his... That's just that's just unlucky. Yeah, that was that was that, more that's luck. That's not really him. They, they they want a guy in front of the net because in case of that one guy tries to get into the slot, then you know Comrie or Anderson isn't on their own. Yeah. Um they I, got that like second level. I, I just think that's unlucky with the the foot the the puck to the foot. Yeah. That that's uh, my, something you could face. My uh flub player, if you will, flub player the the game. Would have to be Jacob Bryson. Oh, he just hasn't. That's why I said this season because it, it's not like he. I Bryson's, don't know. Uh, you know, he. There he's was the some. There was type some. The, the passing though, he just can't pass. It flew past Thompson a couple times. Like, oh my gosh! I know I can't go out there and do better. I mean, last <laughs> game of hockey I played, I shoulder, I checked someone and they bit through their tongue, but I was also young. But I mean. I couldn't go out there and do better now, but still, he to me has been the most underwhelming player. I would say, I mean, personally, our defensemen. I feel like outside of Darlene in general, have been a little there. disappointing. I mean, well, he I played mean, the second outside most... of Yoki and Samuelson, I think once we get those guys back, we'll be in good shape. But the the guys underneath them not been fantastic. No, and Owen Power, you, you understand a little bit. I mean, he's basically a rookie. He played eight games last season, so he's. He's getting accustomed to it, but I mean those other guys. Lawrence Pilot, nothing phenomenal. Jacob Bryson, again, like I said, not not anything special. So I mean, I can't wait to get those guys back. I I mean the thing with Bryson is is that he's just supposed to be your you know third line defenseman or yeah he's supposed to be your third line defenseman. He's not supposed to be anything great and fan fantastic. I mean remember. What two years ago it was uh, Hag and who was next to Hag? I forget who it was. I'm I'm. Uh, it was the Bogosian? two old guys. Bogosian? No, no. It it was the two old guys who were pee in the pod with each other. You know they were just happy. I I'm forgetting the name. I but, am too. I don't know. They were pee in a pod and happy. Yeah. <laughs> but but <laughs> well, they were line mates and they were actually like a good third line defense team. Um, but you know, he's, he, I don't expect him to do this much. He, he had 30 shifts. He played the second most time on ice out of, out of the defenseman's at 20 minutes. I I mean, what more can you try to ask from a guy who's trying to step up from a really injured defensive core savers? I, 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 there's going to be mistakes. There yeah. is, there just is. It, it, it's the start of the famous saver injury, um, injury bug, and you know hopefully it doesn't get worse. But there's always that chance that it can. Now I I know you guys are are pro- I probably already know your answer to this, but do you think the Sabers are going to have the November downfall? I personally this season would say no. I mean last season we've we've mentioned they started out relatively hot and then fell off. I don't think so because we've seen consistent play, you know what I mean, minus the Seattle game that was just an outlier I would say. Um 
but we hung with Florida. We we I mean we've beaten good teams. Detroit was a pretty on par team to us. I would say we wiped the floor with them eight to three. Their goalie was just bad. So I I would say I don't think we're gonna have that the the November downfall. I, at least I hope not. I mean I'm I'm hoping we trend upward if anything or stay stagnant. But yeah, I don't see any reason to believe why there would be. I mean, like I mentioned, Tage Thompson in the past two games tripled his point total that he had in the first seven combined. So he's starting to find his groove looking like, you know, the guy that scored 68 points a year ago, um, you know, the, with the defensemen, once they get healthy, you figure we, we're going to be in better shape because Labushkin's been banged up. Obviously we've been without Yoki and Samuelson the past couple games. So I don't I think there's any reason to believe why, um, Unless, like, goaltending or something, we just get railed by injuries or goaltending completely falls off a cliff because we've had competent uh, goaltending this season, to say the least, probably better than a lot of people would have expected. But uh, yeah. unless that falls off or we just get freaking railed by injuries, I don't see any reason to believe why the November falloff would happen. If anything, I think things are going to, you know, maintain from here, if not get better, once, you know, we get some of the defensemen healthy and back in the lineup. Now... I, I think this is a little bit of a fluke that the Sabres are doing so well. I'll tell you why. Tonight, from, this is a tweet from Joe DiBiase, that tonight will be the eighth time in ten games the Sabres will go against a backup goalie. Your, your backup's not your starter. I mean, I get you can't play your starter every game, but there is that doubt in my mind that puts there from that stat that says, oh, well, they're only scoring so much because they're going against backups. They're only doing so well because they're going against backups. They're not going to do anything once they actually face the real good starters. Do, do you guys have, you know, anything to change my mind? Well, I mean, that's part of being a good team is they're, yeah. winning, you, they're winning the games they're supposed to win. You go against backup goalies, you should win those games, and that's what they're doing, and that's part of being a good team. Right, yeah. I mean, you, the the proof is in the pudding at this point. I mean, like Tanner said, you got to win the games you're supposed to win, and they're they're winning the games they're supposed to win. I mean, it. I don't. I don't think they didn't beat the Kraken. They weren't technically well, supposed 80, to win that game. It's an 82 game season. There's game. Gonna, of course there's going to be there's going to be outliers. You know, that's just the way it is. Yeah. You know, we we see it in basketball all you the see time. It in football. The Bills lost to the Jaguars six to nine last year. In baseball, I mean, when you have seasons that are you know eighty two and one hundred sixty two games, of course there's going to be you know those nights where you're just off for whatever reason. Maybe the guys are tired. I mean, this was the last game. The Kraken game was like the last game of a West Coast swing. Yeah. I mean, how many play? How many games did they play in you know X amount of days? So there's gonna just there's gonna be those games in an eighty two game season for where one reason or another you just don't have it and they didn't have it that night but uh but outside of that i mean they've taken care of business they've shown that they can hang with good teams they did it with florida and you know we've seen the good teams they've beaten this year so i just and plus you can't you can only control what's in front of you like sure they're playing backup goalies i mean you play who's in front of you that's just the nature of sports and like i said they're winning the games that they should be winning for the most part exactly. it's not going to happen every time it's not foolproof you're not you know if a team is a favorite every they're not going to win the game every single time so that's no. just the way it is but outside of outside of the one mishap against the kraken they've been they've been solid all season right and i i would just like to point out the uh, pittsburgh penguins also went on a west 
West Coast road trip. And it is very difficult to win over there. Their current record is four and four. They went one and two in the West Coast games. The Sabres went two and well, what? they went three and three one and in one. the Canadian trip. They alone. went three and one in the tri- Canadian trip. So the Sabres have won over there, and the Penguins have not. I mean, it, those are games the Penguins were supposed to win. The the Penguins are o four and one in their last five. They're just not in a good stretch. Right, but they're supposedly the best team in the NHL. I didn't ever say one that. of the better teams oh, in the NHL. They are because they're one of the older, more experienced teams, and they're supposed to yes. win those games, quote unquote. But they didn't. So find me, Joe. Yeah, they're they're, <laughs> they're supposed to win those games, but they didn't. I mean, the Sabers have outplayed them this I season. I mean, could you argue that that's why it's not a good night to play them? I I mean, the Sabers face against the Pittsburgh Penguins. For the first time this season in their reverse retro jerseys, wearing the blue and gold goat head, making that reveal. And the Penguins will be wearing their old 1990 logo uh, Penguin jerseys. Do do you think with the Penguins being so bad lately then, that puts a fire under their belly and they say, hey, it's the Sabres. We kill them all the time. Let's just go in there and kill them again. If anything, I think it puts a chip on the Sabres' shoulder to go and win that game. They're underperforming. The Sabres have been being swept by them over the past few years. It's time to redeem that track. and It's like the Bills and the Chiefs. Joe, rightfully so, they deserve to be swept on. What do you mean? The, the Sabres rightfully deserve to be slept on i mean i i, I mean if up, tage thompson has another hat trick with three more assists i mean i don't see I, how i mean joe like, I'm, I'm gonna tell you this stat. Hey, that's all right we don't mind being slept on keep the sabers yeah, a secret <laughs> exactly keep buffalo secret keep the sabers a secret i i think it honestly it makes the sabers better you know it, it, like uh, i i would personally if i were going into this game and it was that much of a difference like you know the Pixar penguins have not won you know in the f- what five last five games they won one game and it's just i i would rather pick the sabers i think they've got a fire under them to keep that record going and they're doing well so i i would personally pick the sabers what do you think yeah that's the i think that's the last thing they want is to lose and then have people saying like oh that's like a certainty like the three certainties in life death taxes and the penguins beat the sabers especially when they're in a skid right now so i can see that argument how the sabers might be more motivated even than the penguins just to avoid having that stigma around them like oh we can't get past this team you know yeah that's that's what i I mean Here's the Savers versus the Penguins record since 2000. So, the we're also talking about some of the worst Savers teams in history. Well, you can't argue. That. <laughs> so you I can't mean, argue that. Why? Because and some of the best Pittsburgh teams in NHL history, and Sidney Crosby's been on that team for the entire run, pretty much. I mean, that's not my. The Savers finally have a good Crosby team, so, so good. it's a different matchup than comparing them from ten years. ago. I mean, ago. they're 24 and fifty-three. Sabres have only won 24 games. They've lost. They finally have a competent head coach, a competent team, players actually doing things that they should be doing. That's not how it was the last time, the last 10 years ago, say, what you're making the comparison to. The overall record, I I, I think you got to. You got to clean slate it from this point forward since Don Granado's been hired. And yes, it would still be a losing record, but still, it's not the same Sabres team to compare to the Penguins from 10 years ago. I could argue that it kind of is. They still have that playoff atmosphere team. They still have that experience. Cindy Crosby is still Cindy Crosby. 
there's no doubt in my mind that they could come out tonight and basically wipe the floor with the Sabres Penguins. could come out tonight and wipe the floor with the Penguins. You, you don't That's know. That's rightfully so, but yeah. I, I honestly think that— The saying you know, goes, for football, any given Sunday, any given Tuesday, you Thursday— You love that saying. Yeah, I do, you because— do. With you use it every time that you argue with them. I That's do. just the way or sports is. It's right. so volatile, unpredictable. Yeah. I mean, anything truly can happen. Yeah. So am I. That's why it's called, <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 you're right, yeah. That's why it's gambling. You don't know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? You have no idea. Like any, The Sabres could come out and rightfully just sweep them 8 nothing again. Not again, but they Tage Thompson could have another hat trick tonight. Like, it, it could be... Or it could go the other direction. It could go any way. You just have no idea. And this different Sabres team, I think, has a better shot than past Sabres teams have, especially the way they've been playing. The Sabres do have a game in hand against the Boston Bruins, who are at 10 games played, and they're ahead by five points. Of course, a win tonight only means three extra points added on, but it gets you closer to Boston, but you're also... Uh, separating yourself from Tampa Bay and Florida, who are at 12 and 11 right now, uh, point-wise. But, man, I I just don't think it's going to work. And on that note, so that I don't hear any other thoughts of trying to change my mind, that, you know, I'm a Sabre non-believer, which I'm partially kind of sort of am, at least tonight. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm going to turn you guys back on for a second. Oh, yeah. oh he had us turned off? The yeah, he had ga- you turned off. The you... peanut gallery is allowed to speak once yeah, again. You're... Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, you know, I, I want to get game scores tonight. What What is – how badly will either the Sabres win or the Sabres lose? Uh Tanner, why don't you give us your score first? I did this. I got this right the last time we did this. You Um, did, so there's a lot of weight on your shoulders. Oh, yeah. I got to get into Oracle mode again here and see if I can pick (laughs) this one right. All right. All right. It's like sicko mode, but it's on a different level. So the Penguins are trending downward right now. The Sabres are trending up. Um, I'm going to say Sabres 5-3. to Joe, I'll take that too. Actually, I like that a lot. I I, I would even say six to three. I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna go one. I'm gonna one up you a little All bit right. on the Sabers on yeah. six to three. Uh, Eight nothing Penguins. That's what no, Dan's gonna say. No, that would never be. <laughs> no, more like it, fifteen it, nothing Penguins. He's probably the same. <laughs> yeah. I I feel like this will be the game like that the Penguins come back just because we are the Sabers, um, and Cindy Crosby loves abusing us. Um, I I think I'm going to go Penguins 4-2. to two. I, I feel like, or, you know what, I'm going to do Penguins 3-2 to two overtime loss. Mm. So I'm saying we get through regulation and then we just, you know, somehow either they have a penalty, pl- uh, a power play to start it, and, you know, we're playing from behind, or... You know, even in shootout, I would love to see a shootout this year. I haven't seen one yet. Yeah. Really want to. Turned you off, Joe. Say, same with you, Tanner, because I'm leading us into break. Yes, I turned you off again. You No peanut gallery talk anymore. <laughs> you you have been silenced. But uh, keep listening to Blitz on 91.3 FM, and we'll be right back with MLB Royal Series, some NBA from Tan Man. And, uh, you know, maybe some more NFL news or Thursday night football preview. So keep listening for more Blitz when we come back from the break.
6-0. Hoskins. Hoskins with a drive. Left field. Wow! An explosion. The South Philly Bombers with five. Back-to-back home runs. Schwarber and Hoskins. 7-0 Phillies. Here's... Welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM. And that was some highlights from the World Series that is going on right now and continues tonight. But I know Joe has some thoughts about the Houston Astros that he would like to rage about. Oh, it's actually more on the Philadelphia. Oh, you just want to do the Philadelphia Whole yeah, rant. I just I, it's okay, simple. I'm a Yankees that. fan. I don't like the Astros. That that's that. You know what I mean? Okay, then what's your Philadelphia rant? I honestly, I hope Philadelphia gets this World Series just simply because they're not going to be getting a Lombardi Trophy. So it'd be nice for them to get a national champ or a World Championship. Sorry, uh, for their city because Philadelphia, the Eagles have just not played. I know we're on MLB, but Eagles have just not played a great team yet. So I mean. I, I hope the Phillies win this just as a little cushion for the blow that's going to come when they're a first-round exit in the playoffs. Wow. That, that is hard-hitting because I, I think Phillies going to be a good team in the playoffs. But uh, bet the World Series. I mean, yes. The Philadelphia Phillies are going into Game 4 uh, back in Houston. Or no. No, it's actually in Philly because Game 3 got rained out a day early, so they had to move it. So they're actually still in Philly right now. It's confusing because of that rain, rain out day. But Game 4 is in Philly. Philly is ahead 2-1. to one. They can go up 3-1 to one tonight and have a chance to close it out in Game 5 in Houston. Um, I, I really hope the Astros lose. It, you know, they, they beat the Yankees. Pretty pretty easily. Um, there there's no sugarcoating it that you know the Yankees got their butts beat pretty hard, and everybody wants changes from the New York Yankees side of things. You know, Aaron Judge to say Brian Cashman to be fired, Aaron Boone to be fired, uh, spend money all over the place like you just don't care. I even saw a report that. A group headed by Oprah and Dwayne The Rock Johnson were going to make an offer to buy the New York Yankees. Oh my gosh! <laughs> could you just imagine just how much money that group could make? Like they're like, oh yeah, we're signing Aaron Judge, Oprah Winfrey, just in the background of the contract negotiations. That'd be, be interesting. Possible. Could be possible. Maybe no. Whoopi Goldberg joins <laughs> in too. <laughs> oh my god! No, throw but... throw everyone in there, you know, everyone. Do you guys, because we got a, f- a couple Yankees fans here, do you think Aaron Judge is bouncing this offseason? I hope not, but the way the Yankees front office has been over time, it wouldn't surprise me. I would say most likely. Yeah. How he sounded, He'll probably end up on the Red Sox. How he sounded. <laughs> oh, my God, no. That's like uh, reverse He's hanging babe with someone Ruth from the curse. mess. Uh, yeah, reverse babe. Uh, that would be horrible. But by the sounds of... Aaron Judge's last interview before, you know, he leaves the the clubhouse for the rest of the season. He was really disappointed. You know, he said he doesn't know where he wants to go, but, you know, he's a free agent now. And that was the scary thing. They said that he was a free agent now, that he didn't have any commitment to the Yankees, you know, that th- this is serious now. He He's on the free market. Anybody can offer him anything. 
and you got to hope you can top whatever the next highest buyer is. Um, a lot of talks are that he's going to the Giants um, just because of it being California. You know, nice weather. They need a good right fielder. Judge would fit perfectly there. Uh, the Red Sox are always in talk to screw over the Yankees. Um, I wouldn't be shocked Blue Jays jump in there just to be the Blue Jays. Um, but it, it is really scary to feel that anybody could just put money where their mouth is and get one of the best right fielders in the game right now. And even though he's on the older side, he's 30. Um, that's why the Yankees were so unwilling to sign him to a long-term deal like he wanted. I, I think now is the time you offer him the long-term deal. I don't, his production, the regular season is great. And I think you still need that. It, it really comes down to, do you think he can be a great player when it comes to a postseason push? Um, and, and this postseason, he really didn't show up. He, he was kind of striking out all over the place. Didn't have that many hits. Had like a couple of pop flies that were really far back and weren't home runs that could have been home runs in other places. Um, so it, it's hard to tell right now, but I feel like he's going to leave. Yeah. Just, just from that standpoint. It's tough because he's had such an amazing season here. Broke the AL record, you know, and to see him walk, I mean, it would stink, but why do I somewhat kind of, I mean, I, I have a, that sinking feeling in, in the tummy right now that that might be happening, so. <laughs> the tummy. <laughs> in the tummy. Um, if you want to call in and give us your thoughts about Bills, Sabres, Yankees, NBA, because I'll have Tanner go on a rant about what's happened there for yeah. a little bit. Or expose some hot takes. Or, yeah, anything. You guys got hot takes. Dan's got some hot takes. I always have hot takes. <laughs> uh, you can call us at 716-878-5104. 716-878-5104. So, Tanner, I, I, you know me. I, I've told you this. Joe's told you this. We don't follow basketball. No. We, we try mm -hmm. not to talk when there's basketball just because we don't want to say anything that's wrong. But the one thing that yeah, did well. catch my eye that made <laughs> me like an NBA fan for a minute is because how much I know of the Brooklyn Nets and how much how many problems they've been having with Kevin Durant wanting to sign somewhere else and wanting to get Steve Dash fired, Kyrie Irving just being Kyrie Irving. Um, yeah. Steve Nash got fired from the Brooklyn Nets, and, you know, I don't really have a lot of thoughts on this, but, Tanner, I thought you would have definitely a lot of thoughts on this move made by Brooklyn. Uh. Yeah, I mean, Steve Nash was a heck of a player in his time, two-time MVP, but, you know, we've seen not even, you know, just transcending the NBA, but in a lot of different sports, that being a, a great former player doesn't always translate you into being the best head coach, and I think that was the case for Steve Nash. I think he relied a little too heavily on the whole iso ball thing. I'd like to see a little more, like, flow in the offense, kind of like, like a Golden State. That's what made them, you know, so well is moving the ball and, you know, the ball finds the right guy, whoever it is, whether it's Steph, Clay, KD, and, you know, they knock it down. Whereas Brooklyn, I don't think – I think their offense was a little bit stagnant, pretty much just give it to the high-end talent, you know, Kyrie, KD, and let them go to work and – uh, Steve Nash did get fired yesterday, which 
I, I can't blame him. I mean, to have imagine having two of the best perimeter scorers in the NBA in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and still you're one in five through the first six games. Like that's terrible. So I think it needed to happen. I, it's kind of funny the uh, the coach that they're eyeing to replace Steve Nash with is Ime Udoka, who the last time we talked about him it was for not good reasons because uh, he was suspended for the entirety of this season by the Boston Celtics for speaking to a female in the organization in a uh, promiscuous manner Yeesh. when he was already in oh, a relationship. No. So that's the guy that Brooklyn is targeting to be their head coach. I didn't even know that was possible. I'm like, wait, isn't he suspended? Uh, like, how can they, they target him as their head coach for this year? But he's not suspended by the league. He's only suspended by the Celtics organization. And the Celtics um, apparently are, are willing to grant him permission to, uh, to go elsewhere. So, you know... That's uh, that's where we're at right now with that, is that the Brooklyn Nets are looking f- at Ime Udoka to be their next head coach, and uh, I guess there'll be an offer made within the next couple of days. But that's actually where he came from. He came to Boston from Brooklyn, so, you know, that's a guy that's familiar, you know, with the team, with the program, has been there before. Um, I think he's a good coach. I mean, we saw what he did. With the Boston Celtics last year, you know, obviously they have talented players and they have good defenders with Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, Grant Williams, even off the bench. But I mean, they were just locked down, just suffocating defense last year. And he got them all the way. You know, there was a point where they were below 500, right about 500. And then they just completely flipped the switch and ended up making it all the way to the NBA finals before losing to the Golden State Warriors. So I think that's a uh, that's a really good higher for them, you know, all the the personal off-the-court stuff aside, you know, Ime is a good coach, and I think he can get this team going in the right direction. Um, it's, uh, you know, you still have Kyrie Irving, even all what's going on with him off the court, the whole anti-Semitism thing. Kevin Durant is still one of the top three players in the NBA. Ben Simmons has not played like it this year, but I still have a lot of faith in him. I mean, this is a guy that's, you know, 6'10", 11, and he's got, you know, the abilities to handle the ball like a point guard. Um, he's good passer, playmaker, good defender, just the, the scoring is not there. But I think uh, Udoka can use him such that... Uh, they can uh, get that figured out and maybe just a rough stretch to open the season. But, you know, still plenty of time. That's the thing with this NBA season. We're only, you know, six, seven games in. And, you know, while it hasn't gone according to plan for the Brooklyn Nets being as bad as they are, plenty of time to turn things around. And say what you want about Ime Udoka off the court with how it ended with Boston. But I think uh, he'll be a good candidate to fill in and replace Steve Nash. All right. Now... I think one of the final things we'll talk about is Monday Night Football and the upcoming Thursday Night Football game. And that should wrap us up. Um, pretty powerful show today. I, I got to admit, a lot of stuff happened over just one day. And it's like, wow, we have a lot to talk about. But on Monday Night Football, it was the Cincinnati uh, Boogles. And the Cincinnati or Cincinnati Cleveland Browns. Sorry, um, did you say did boogles? You just call them boogles. The... Yeah. The, well, they got scared out of their mind. Oh, oh! <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, boogles. What? Boogles. <laughs> uh, what? What did you guys learn from that game? I mean, are are the Browns? 
a halfway decent team? I'll tell you. Or is are the Bengals frauds like I've been saying the whole time? I think the Bengals are still in a Super Bowl hangover, and the fact that combined before the half, about a couple seconds before they kicked that field goal, right? So for most of the half combined, there was eight points. The Sabres had as many points on the board as they did, which was absolutely nuts to me. I think the Browns are actually a half-decent team. I've said Jacoby Brissett's a good backup. I think when Deshaun comes back, I mean, they're going to be an okay team. I mean, what's their record? Do you know, Dan? Uh, it would be 3-5. and 3-5. and five. And how's their division looking? I, I, I'm blanking on. Um, Baltimore's bad. Cincy's bad. Uh, Pittsburgh's Steelers are bad. Really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of wide open if they make a run for it. You know what I mean? So, I think the Bengals are not over that Super Bowl hangover yet. Um, I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch a single snap in this game, but for good reason, I'd like to think. So, I'm going to go on a little different side rant here. So, uh, yesterday on Tuesday, me and Evan Harrington, we actually went to Syracuse to broadcast uh, the Section 3 title game, sectional championship games for boys soccer. Um, we did Class C and D. And on Sunday, I reached out to my my boss that was uh, in charge of, you know, like that game and and where we were going to be, and I asked, like, and by the way, I'm not trying to, like, clown on my boss. Like, great bosses, but just a little miscommunication. So on Sunday, I asked, like, are we doing games A and B on Tuesday? And then I hear back uh, around midday Monday, yes, we're doing games A and B. So then I'm in class, and at about 9 9 p.m., my boss texts me and was like, oops, sorry, you're actually doing games X and Y. So I'm like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Like, I spent multiple hours prepping for games A and B, and even, um, oh, what was I going to say? Even for high school, like, I don't like just to, when I broadcast even high school games, I don't like to just walk up into the booth like an idiot and not know what I'm talking about. Like, I like to be prepared, so I like to have, you know, like, stats and any little facts or tidbits on players or coaches that I can find. So I spent multiple hours, you know, over the weekend and on Monday prepping for games A and B, only to be told that I was doing games X and Y instead. So in the time that I would have been watching Monday Night Football, I had to uh, prep for games X and Y. That took a good three hours to do, but... uh, you know, I. It's tough. I mean, I think not having Jamar Chase uh, hurts them a lot. That that passing game. I mean, they just got completely outmatched by Cleveland, from what it seems. And you know that once Deshaun Watson comes back, I mean, I don't know if that vaults the Browns into title contention, but they're going to be a really good team. I think a force to be reckoned with. So, you know, the Bengals have just been a little too hot and cold for me this season. Like there'll be games that they had against who was it? Atlanta where Joe Burrow, you know, has 400, 450, 500 yards and they look like the best team in the NFL. And then you get stinkers like this. So I think uh, once Deshaun Watson comes back, as long as the Browns can tread water until then, then they will be the, they'll end up running away with that division. Yeah. The Ravens are five and three Bengals are four and four Browns are three and five Steelers are two and six. Um, I got to admit, I, I watched some of this game. You know, I I was facing off against Joe Mixon, you know, <laughs> you know, praying that he didn't get 29 points, and he didn't. Um, thank you. Thank you, whoever. Thank you to whoever got. let that happen. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because um, I was facing the worst guy in our league. And it's like if I lost to the worst guy in our league and he had the best 
record of the se- or not best record, best game of his season because I had a hundred and sixty eight points. I was like really confident, and then that brought me like all the way down to Dre when I saw like he only needs twenty nine points and he's got Joe Mixon. It didn't help that like NFL fantasy. You know, they have their own Twitter account. They put, like, Joe Mixon has scored 22-plus points in, like, the last three out of five games versus Cleveland. I was like, oh, no, I'm screwed. I'm screwed. But, wow, Cleveland coming out of nowhere. Miles Garrett really, he proves why he makes that team. You you don't need a good quarterback when you have Miles Garrett on your team. Miles Garrett could be your quarterback, and he probably would just do – just as well as Jacoby Brissett, because, man, Nick Chubb just running on everybody. Kareem Hunt was actually used for once in his life. Um, Amari Cooper looked really good. I I still think the injury to David Nijuku is really hurting the Browns in the sense that they don't have that quick tight end to help them. I I don't know. I really think the Bengals were frauds last season. I still believe that. That's going to be my whole personality until they make the playoffs. But I I don't think I can give them enough leeway that because Jamar Chase was hurt, that gives them a little bit of a more reason to do worse. Because if I'm Joe Burrow, I still have T. Higgins, the second best slot by receiver in Tyler Boyd, um, Joe Mixon, Samaje Perrine has done well in re- the receiving game. He's not a great running back, but he's a good receiving running back. And then you still have um, Hayden Hurst, a- and you buffed up your offensive line, so you should be doing well. And then you you've won really not so important games, but you've lost every game against your division. They, they've lost every game so far. They lost to Steelers week one. They lost to the Browns uh, just a couple of days ago. And then they lost to the Ravens the one time they faced them so far. So yeah. I I just... Uh, I they're really, frauds. You're right. They're frauds. Fraudulent, as they're I would fraudulent. say. Fraudulent. Yeah. Um, the fraudulence and, is stinking up the air. And, you know, they don't have a... Uh, t- they don't have a great schedule left. You look at their schedule for the rest of the season. They have the Panthers, who are, I guess, on an uptick for once in their franchise's life, except for the Cam Newton years. Um, You have the Steelers again, who you should beat, but we've learned that maybe you don't. Titans, Chiefs, Browns again with Deshaun Watson. Uh, The Buccaneers, who may be in, like, Tom Brady playoff form at that time. The Patriots, the Bills, and the Ravens. That's a tough closing schedule, which I don't think they're prepared for. But moving over to Thursday night before we end our show, ultimately, it is the undefeated, no matter how much Joe hates hearing it, undefeated, the undefeated, 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 flying caca birds of the East, caca birds. <laughs> Cacaw birds, maybe Cacaw the country's, uh, the country's the, uh, logo. Yeah, the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Lovey Smith long neck giraffe Houston Texans. Um, what what are your thoughts and what are your score predictions on this game? The Eagles and yeah. Texans. Sorry, I thought I made that clear. I, by long neck giraffe. I uh. 
It's the Eagles, sadly. <laughs> Another easy game on the schedule, like all the other ones have been. So that's the... They beat the Vikings! Yeah, they beat the Vikings. The Vikings are mediocre at best. The Vikings are 6-1! and one. Yeah, and so are That's the... the only good team they've played this year, mate. Yeah, and good is in NFC terms, not AFC terms, in my opinion. But, I mean... I, I don't even know. Give, I think give th- a score. Uh, give a score, Joe. You're 20, forced to. 28 to 7. By your law-abiding, law-abiding chair, you must give a score. <laughs> 28 to 7. There you go. Tanner. Uh, like 24 to nothing Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm thinking you more You think they like... stop him for a field goal after three touchdowns at some point? I I don't think so. No. No. I I think it's going to be 42 to 0. I I just feel like Gardner Minshew's going to come into this game. I I have that feeling. Wow, you guys sound depressed picking that game. I'm not I'm not a fan. You're, of you're that not game. happy about this. <laughs> There's a, no, I'm happy. not because oh my gosh. I can't. I can't. I'm going to go on another round. We don't have the time. Rant. All right. So that's going to do it for us on the Blitz. We're going to now shout out our socials. Joe, go. You can find me on Instagram at Joe Kelly and on Twitter at the Buffalonian. Tanner, go. Uh, on Twitter at TJ Saunders 2000. On Instagram at Tanner underscore Saunders 2000. And you can find me on Twitter at double underscore D, capital WBNY. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blitz. You've been listening to 91.3 FM WBMY Buffalo Buffalo's original alternative since 1982. Brought to you by the Buffalo State Studio TVD fee. We will see you Friday.